on today's episode of the Bolts Broadcast. Buckle in because this draft's going to be mayhem. Stay tuned. Season 4, episode 69 of the Bolts Broadcast. Mike Mitchelson and Chase Croshaw with you today. Chase, how are you on this lovely Tuesday afternoon? I am super juiced. It was a great day yesterday. Going to be a great day tomorrow. Going to be a great day Thursday. And today was just a nice little little bridge between those two events. So I'm super juiced. How are you? I am doing fantastic. I honestly feel like the week is going by really slow, but it's been really productive. And here we are. We're only one day away from the NHL draft kicking off. It's going to be so exciting. And we got a lot to talk about because there were some big rumors that this draft would be like no other. A lot of switch-ups coming, and we've already seen some big trades going down. So we'll be talking about that, talking about the draft, and so much more this episode. It's going to be a fun ride. But we start with the NHL awards. Yeah, so if you were... uh if you were not tuned in, last night was the NHL Awards show. Uh, I was down in Nashville. Pretty, you know, pretty cool little, I guess, sequence of events is the right term to use. Um, so, it, you know, with, with it being in Nashville, it was a lot more kind of, you know, a country theme. And a lot of hockey fans, a lot of hockey players are big into country music. I know I am. So it was cool to see, you know, artists like Dirk Bentley, Darius Rucker, Jelly Roll, who's really coming up on the scene, uh, Old Dominion. It, it, it was cool to kind of see them take the stage. Um, present some awards, put on some shows. Um, it, it was definitely a cool event all around and definitely some, you know, definitely some things to talk about in terms of the award winners, uh, especially one that is a little near and dear to my heart. So I, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. And it's funny because this award show, it seemed like there was a lot that weren't really up for grabs because there was already a guaranteed winner, such as the Maurice Richard, Vesna, Hart, you know, you know all of the ones that were just so solidified at that point. Um, but then you had some different, which kind of, I don't know if it shocked me, but it kind of made me realize like, oh, oh, shoot, I totally forgot about that. For example, when we're looking at Chris Latane and the Bill Masterton. Obviously, we know the history of Chris Latane, and he's had a couple of strokes, and I didn't even remember that it was like this last off season when it happened or I, back in November. I, I feel like it's been so long since it happened. I feel like it could have been two, three years ago. Well, th- this is the second one he's had in his career as well. So yeah, I know. Mind. I, I remember we were talking but, about it on the show and I feel like he had his first one like seven, eight years ago. And then this last one was like two, three years ago. Totally forgot how, recent it was and sure enough goes out and gets the bill masterton very deserving of him um but you know there's some other trophies out there as well that we saw the mark messier leadership award goes to our captain steven stamkos that's awesome and you know some other awards such as those where you kind of were in for a little treat because you didn't know the winner right off the rip and you know if i'm gonna be honest there was maybe two that I didn't know who the first year winner was going to be because, you know, the, the point awards like the R. Ross and, and the Richard Shard, those are 
you know, th- th- those are predetermined. That doesn't matter. But when it came to the heart, it came to the Ted Lindsay, when it came to the Norris, when it came to the Calder, when it came to the Vesna, all these guys were pretty obvious. Like we knew McDavid were going to win those first two. Uh, you know, kind, kind of obviously, Manny Beers is going to win Rookie of the Year compared to who he was up against. Uh, it was pretty unanimous too. Um, you know, the Selkie Pertice Bergeron was damn near and then um, unanimous as well. And then, yeah, you, you can say the Norris is maybe a little bit closer because Carlson was, you know, a, a minus player on a bad team, but he was the only reason that team even had a chance of winning any hockey games this year. And voters know it, so that's why he ended up winning it. So, even though they were still up in the air, I'm not too surprised. Um, but one that I was kind of surprised about, um, I really did not expect, was the uh, the Lady Bing. Andre Kopitar, which, you know, a very deserving player, uh, very talented, is still an incredibly productive player. Obviously, you know, doesn't take a lot of penalties, isn't an unsportsmanlike player. But I don't know. what He just didn't seem like the winner to me. I thought it was going to be locked and loaded Jack Hughes, give the award to a younger guy, promote the game more. So when Kopitar won it, I was like, I was kind of surprised. Yeah. Definitely surprising there. Um, it's just just all around, I feel like there was only a few of those surprises. But let's talk about the one more near and dear to your heart. And obviously, we talked about it on the show a couple of times. We were talking about go vote for the Willie O'Ree Award. And sure enough, the guy that uh, this show was pushing took home the award. Yeah, so I do have to say congratulations. Jason McCrimmon, someone who, you know, over the last year, year and a half, two years, I've become very close with, become, um, you know, good friends with, you know, w- working with with him in this sport. Um, he ended up winning the Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award due to his charitable efforts within his own charity foundation, Detroit Ice Dreams, uh, which gives back to inner city uh, communities, especially here in the city of Detroit as well as um, you know, his initiatives with the Detroit Red Wings, such as their, you know, their summer ball hockey initiative that, that they're um, doing, going around playing in different, um, di- different cities, just get, getting people, getting kids, families involved in the game. So it, it, it was super cool. Um, this is something that's kind of been in motion since the beginning of the year. Um, you know, he, he was telling me a little bit about it here and there, you know, once or twice a month, something will come before he was doing something. He had to go somewhere to do something. And then when it came out, it was the finals in April. Obviously, super exciting. We pushed him on the show, and it was cool to kind of see it all culminate. Uh, have him go up on stage last night, grab the trophy. Um, you know, it was definitely trying to fight back his emotions. It, it was just really cool. And, you know, it, not no no more deserving person than Jason. Um, he does so much for this community, especially you know the, the Detroit hockey community. Everybody knows who he is. So very happy he won it. Gets a big grant for his charity as well from the NHL on top of a bunch of, you know, national recognition now for that foundation. Yeah, and what a cool thing for you. I mean, going through the steps on trying to uh, make it to that NHL level, get into the front office for an NHL team, and as you're taking these steps, you go on and you meet Jason. I mean, when you first met him, did you think that there was any world in which you would be saying, oh my gosh, the guy that I've been working with for the past couple of uh, years, he is going to be an NHL award winner. Like when you first met him, what would you have thought if you were told that? I would have been like, oh, but really? I'd be like, oh shit, really? That's like probably what I would have said because you know I I knew how um, intertwined he was within junior hockey and that he was you know a very big person within the community, but. 
it's an extensive process getting nominated for that award, going through the process, becoming a finalist, and then winning it. Like you have to get nominated by someone in your community. You have you know multi steps interviews. So you like your 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 foundation, your efforts are really looked at. Um, you know, it's not it's not something that's just like you know it's super light, easy to do. Like it, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of steps. It's a really big thing. So of course I would I would be surprised and, and shocked if you told me that. But you know, once once you know the guy and once you see what he does firsthand, like it's it's not surprising that um, he deserves his recognition, and you're just happy that he does get the recognition. Yeah, absolutely. A, a great night that gets capped off with a little uh, personal award for you there. It was a good one. Well, let's move on. Let's talk about some trades. Um, they really kicked off June 24th. We first saw Ryan Johansson get sent over to the Colorado Avalanche, Alex Galchenyuk on the way back. Now, if you told me that 10 years ago, I mean, this would have been a massive trade, but you're looking at it now and you're thinking, man, these guys, what a fall from grace. Yeah, you're not kidding. Two players who were very high picks uh, or once very coveted NHL players and or prospects, both kind of, uh, you know, well, Johansson, I would say he's more on, um, you know, the downturn of his career and Galchanik, he just kind of never really panned out. So it's more of two kind of just like guys on the team, you know, middle six type players. Maybe they can play a few minutes more if you need to. But what this becomes is a cap dump, especially for Nashville, a team that's going to try to continue to, to be competitive. And Johansson was just not worth the dollars that he was getting paid. You know, an $8 million cap hit for the production he had is just something that they couldn't sustain anymore. So he's moving on. Uh, you know, they retained half of his salary. Um, he's he's going to be in Colorado. We'll see how he fits in there. Um, but it's it, it really is not super surprising, but you're 100% right. Where if you were to, to say this 10 years ago, it would be like jaw like jaw dropping, absolutely surprising. Yeah. And then the LA Kings, they've had a couple of big trades. Let's just talk about them both right now. Uh, first one, sending Sean Dersey to the Arizona Coyotes for a second round pick. And then today, they make the big move to go get PL Dubois. Yeah, so starting off with the Jersey one, um, you know, he's really someone that's kind of come come bursting onto the scene over the last couple of years. You know, he, he he was a second round pick. He wasn't drafted his first um, draft cycle, but he was once a forward, switched back to D uh, in, his, in his junior hockey career, and has really burst onto the scene as, you know, really a, a very just solidified, solid top four NHL D man. Well, he's going to Arizona where he's going to be their number one, number two. He's going to get a, a lot of ice time. So, if ends up working out, he can take that load. Then the second round pick is very worth it. But it was a little surprising. I thought he was more of like a, you know, more like like a third round uh, type of pick in return. But then you move on to the PL Dubois trade, and this one was pretty big. Uh, you know, going out, Gabe Velarde, Rasmus Kupari, Alex Ifalo, and a second round pick. That's a haul, man. PL Dubois, he is a great player. He is someone I like, but that is a lot of capital. I mean, it's two young players that. Sure, maybe they haven't quite panned out how you hoped, but they're still young players that have upside. Alex Ifalo is a surefire NHLer, and then you're giving up a second round pick next year. It, it's a lot to give up, but they, they really must feel like they're they're kind of in a like true win now type year. Like they think they have the pieces. They think Pierre Dubois is going to kind of be the one that gets them over the hump and they can go on a run. So we'll see. I would expect them to spend probably you know, a, a decent penny, I should say, at least in, in free agency this upcoming summer, because you don't make this move without kind of buying in. Yeah. And it's a little bit crazy because it's a sign in trade and the deal works out to eight and a half million 
over the next eight years for Pierre Dubois. And he's a good player. I just kind of didn't really... I thought it was a little bit much at first. And then you go look at what he has been doing. Cause obviously Winnipeg, not a huge market. It's not going to get all the, the viewers out there. But when you go look, he has been performing well. He has been a very good player for the Winnipeg jets, but in your mind, is he worth that eight and a half million over the next eight years? Plus all the draft capital you just mentioned. Well, here's one way to look at it. Um, Rupe Hints and him make the same dollar amount. And Rupe Hints is some guy that, you know, he's finally starting to get a lot of love. He's becoming a very good NHLer. And I would take Rupe Hints 10 times out of 10 over Pierre Dubois. So to pay him eight and a half, I, I just, I couldn't do it. If you wanted to give him seven, yeah, you know, I, I'd be fine. I, I I could live with it, whatever. But that, that 1.5 mil right there, that's, that's a very, like, trustworthy, you know, third line, bottom six type player that you could pay for right there or, or number five or number six D man. And to, you know, potentially take that away on a potential overpayment. It's, it's hard for me to rationalize, especially given up the capital that they did. So this is not a move that I would have made personally, but it really shows that they're just, they're way more focused on winning this year, next year, and the year after than kind of what the long-term play is going to be. Yeah. And maybe it's trying to keep Anze Kopitar and Drew Doughty, uh, you know, in the mix, you know, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Latane, the Penguins have been trying to keep them in the mix for a while. And for the past couple of years, it doesn't really seem like it's worked as well. LA, they're definitely more on the up and up compared to where they were a couple of years ago. So trying to keep those two players, those two core players for a long time uh, in the mix for another trophy. Definitely interesting there. Let's talk about the Bruins. Now they go out and make two trades, including Trading away Taylor Hall. Yeah, I would say this is um, more of a Chicago acquiring than a Bruins trading away. Um, it obviously it's it's both, but and it helps both teams. But I think this is more of Chicago looking at okay, this this is a situation where the Bruins are willing to move cheap because they need the cap space, but we also really need to provide some talent to to you know potential first overall pick Connor Bedard. Obviously, he's not been picked yet, but we all know he's going to be the guy and there's really nothing there right now like like their best forward prior to the trade is probably lucas reichel who i love i think reichel's awesome but you get you got to provide more talent uh, for this kid because if you just throw him in there with nothing it's it's gonna be hard for him to succeed succeed so bringing in taylor hall a guy who's been around who um you know has put up some good numbers been a good nhler i like the move also grabbing marcus felino a nice depth guy but i don't know if you've seen the stat mike um you might have seen it in the past but this is taylor hall's seventh team where he was either the first overall pick or he was on the team that had the first overall pick. My goodness. Which is just absolute insanity. He's, he's maybe the best player that always ends up on the worst team. Yeah. He, cause he, he is a very, he is a very good NHLer. He's someone that I think every team would like to have, but for whatever reason, the way things work, he's always the piece that ends up, going to that last over that last overall first pick team. It's, it's, it's so strange. Yeah. And Taylor Hall continues to be a good producer for the team. And I know, I, I think that when you look at Chicago fans, they're pumped to bring in Taylor Hall next to Connor Bedard. That's going to be huge for them. But same time, Boston clearing up that cap space. That's uh, ideal for them as well. So even though when you're looking at it face value, you're not taking into account contracts. I think this is a blowout for Chicago. They absolutely steamroll in this deal, but when you look at the other 
scenarios, obviously. That's a big thing. And then let's talk about Shane Bowers as well. He's in a trade where uh, Boston trades Shane Bowers to get back Riley Walsh from the Devils. Not a huge move, but we only have a couple moves to talk about, so might as well throw it in. Yeah, no, I I think it's a nice, like, sturdy move, just kind of getting a, a safe bottom six guy who, you know, you, you, you can trust him on the PK. You can, you can give him 10 minutes a night. He's not going to really do anything wrong. So, I know, I, I do like the move overall for, Bo- for Boston, especially what they're going to have to work with in terms of their cap going forward. All right, San Jose, they go acquire Mackenzie ba- Blackwood for a sixth-round pick. What do you think about Blackwood headed to the San Jose Sharks? It's a nice little uh, buy here. So Blackwood, he really showed some good signs, um, you know, playing in the NHL. He's had some sense with some really good numbers. And he's a bit of a, of a unique guy because he didn't start playing goalie until he was 12 years old, and now he's in the NHL. So kind of kind of a cool little fact. It's a very hard thing to do in hockey with that little time in development. But he is still is someone that I think has you know, the, the opportunity at least to be, if not, a you know, a number one like a very good number two goalie. If, if he's someone that played 30 games a year for you, I, I think that'd be, you know, a great thing for him to do. And who knows, maybe he could play 50. So I, I think that's a solid buy, especially at that price. Um, I, I, I would 100% take that game if I was San Jose. And finally wanted to leave this one for last, that being Montreal going to get Alex Newhook from the Colorado Avalanche. Newhook only 22 years old, but they trade a first and a second round pick. You think, Right off the rip, I saw that. I'm like, what the heck? What has Newhook done to warrant that? But then you look at the actual compensation. That's this year's 31st and 37th pick. So still very valuable picks. But when you think first, second, it's not as much as I expected. There's like, here's the thing. There's a lot of guys I like at that part of the draft. So it's, it's a bit much to give up. You know, especially, you know, like he's he's a good NHLer. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like he's some absolute world beater. Um, I guess maybe Montreal believes he, he can just be some, you know, like gem diamond in the rough type guy who's going to come in and overproduce. But thirty points through eighty-two games, you're going to have a high pick. I this this makes me really think about what they're going to do at that um at that five spot because. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think they make this type of move without having some sort of intention at, at that pick. Because you know, before I, I was thinking that maybe Mishkov is a good guy there, but now that you move two picks, where you could have guys there potentially in NHL or in a year or two, like it's it's not far fetched to have you know guys turn to the NHL that quickly. Um, you know, especially from those draft slots. But they they I, maybe they're going someone who's a lot more ready to win, especially if you're trading for a guy like this, like. Maybe they go out and grab like Leo Carlson is there and hope he makes the jump right away. It's it's strange. I, I think it means more than just trading for a player because it is good capital to give up for a team that just they, they they really need to make sure they have their young guys hitting. Yeah, and maybe they saw enough of some of their younger prospects, including the first overall pick last year, Uri Slavkovsky, to think, all right, maybe we are going to be ready sooner rather than later, and that's why they go make this deal. Um, I agree, though. Even though it's less than what I expected, still very high draft capital. So for Alex Newhook, who just this year became that full-time NHLer, I don't know. Jury's out at this point. We'll see what he can do in Montreal. Sir. 
All right, first half of the show over. We're going to go say hi to our friends over at DraftKings. After that, a lot of NHL draft talk. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10-plus leg required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. Shout out to our friends over at DraftKings. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show. Well, Chase, it's a, it's a big week. We got the NHL draft here. We had the NHL awards. Not sure if you put anything on that, but especially with tomorrow looming, what do you have on the old sports book? So there's a couple, a couple of fun things to talk about. Um, what I have right now, and you know, we'll talk a little more about the players and stuff specifically and what we've heard from here, but you know, I, I placed a couple of bets and we can rationalize it a bit afterwards. So, First one I did was over eight and a half for Dale Bordovorsky. Um, and what that means is he's going to go pick nine or later. Next one I did was under 14 and a half for Oliver Moore. So it'll be going picks one through 14. Uh, Matthew Mishkov, I placed uh, five bucks on each of him going number two, number three, and number four. I also placed a small little bet on Matthew Wood going number four and Dale Bordovorsky going number three. Just, just, just tiny little sprinkles. That's everything I got in play. For um for for tomorrow and for I, I guess just for tomorrow not really for Thursday because it's all all day one stuff but yeah these are just little things that I think have a chance of happening um a couple of long shots but it'll it'll be fun to watch because even though it's not as wild as the NFL NFL draft can be in terms of like the big trades going up and getting the first overall pick to take Bryce Young type of thing there still is surprising picks there still are trades um so it'll it'll be a fun watch yeah I am excited um. I am actually trying to get into my DraftKings account right now, uh, but apparently I got the password wrong, so I'm trying to reset it. <laughs> but uh, we'll see if I can get in, because if I can, then you know I am looking to see what else we have out there. And if there's something juicy enough, then I'm going to put a bet on it. But right now I am struggling to get in, so I guess that I'll have to wait for after the show. For sure. And, you know, th- there's a couple things that I kind of want to highlight in this. Um, every bet that's proposed right now to me, um, you know, like 
there's there's quite a few um that that I that I do do like outside of the ones I bet. Um, when you're looking at Axel Sandy and Pelica going over and under 14 and a half, I think he's someone that is probably going to go right about that range, but I think he's going to go outside of it. So um, I would take that over on that one. I think that um, Colby Barlow, 14 and a half, same thing. I would take the over. Um, you know, I didn't bet these ones, but just kind of got feeling. Daniil Boots, I would probably take the over on 21 and a half there as well. And then David Reinbacher is an interesting one. I would probably take the over six and a half. Uh, yeah, could he go in the top six? I, I definitely believe so. But I, he, you get in plus odds at over six and a half. I think it's worth taking that shot. And where do you think uh, old Teddy Tugboat's going to go? Teddy Tugboat? Yeah, okay. So you didn't see it yet, but uh, our boy Jay Fresh, he puts out a fake mock draft. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. The day before the draft every time. And always just gets great reactions like one here. This may be one of the worst, the one of the single worst mocks I've ever seen. <laughs> this guy said, absolutely devastated to find out Theodore tugboat doesn't exist. And he had old Teddy tugboat going 41st to the Detroit Red Wings. Oh, that would have been a good grab for Detroit, right? Gosh, I love those so much. And, uh, you know, he got me the first time I saw it. Um, obviously not this year. But the first time I saw one of his um, fake mock drafts, he he got me. But not no more. And I see that he's still getting some people, which is great. But what do you Pretty think? Uh, what do you think first overall? Who, who do you think might might go first overall in this draft? I think there's a very slight chance that there's a kid named Connor. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. I can't remember the last name. Uh, maybe it was. Yeah. Uh, he he's probably going to end up being that guy just based on some rumors, but. I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be too shocked if it ends up going somewhere else. Bro, I can still vote on the NHL awards. Next year's awards. So. Oh, I was like, let's go. Yeah, free free money. Right? Let's no. go. Oh, they're they're not Absolutely. even doing the first overall pick because obviously they know. Yeah, but what it's gonna be minus one billion for him. Yeah. Well I mean I'm still that means you- making I'm making a penny. You know, that's not bad. And by the way, if it's minus one billion, that means you have to bet a billion dollars to win a hundred dollars. So you could have one billion one hundred dollars if you place that bet. Sounds worth it, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, well, how about this? I'm just looking at the um, NHL draft specials, the pick number. They've got picks two through five um, on who that player will be at that pick. So when you look at the odds. It would say Adam Adam Fantilli goes number two, Leo Carlson goes three, Will Smith goes four, and Ryan Leonard goes five. With your personal opinions, your draft rankings, all of that, do you think that Vegas has it right there, or or you think no shot that Ryan Leonard goes five, no shot Will Smith goes four, no shot Adam Fantilli goes two? What are your thoughts? No, I, I can definitely see it all happening especially if teams are really that afraid of, of the Mafia Mishkov effect where he's not going to come over for three years, which to me is stupid. At the end of the day, you're trying to let him fall to a team that is set up to have success, especially picking in the range he's going to end up being picked. Like a team that's going to set up to have success in a year or two, and he's just going to walk in and dominate. Just stupid to me that teams are going to let that happen, but it's what it is. So when you look at my, you know, my, my rankings from here, I've got uh, four different tiers of players in the top 10 and, Outside of, um, you know, number one, of course, looking at those two, three, four, 
five spots. Um, Matthew Mishkov is in that second tier for me. So scrap him. Um, Fantilli, Carlson, and Smith are in the next tiers with that. Or Fantilli's in that tier with Mishkov, then the other other two in the next tiers. And then from there, my six or ten spots have Reinbacher, Dvorsky, Wood, Leonard, and Benson in that order. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if Leonard goes there. Um, you know, because if you removed Matthew Mishkov from this conversation, then that would mean that next year is in contention for the fifth pick. And I could definitely see it happening especially with what Matthew Kachuk did this year um, in terms of the regular season and the playoffs. He's a, he's a Matthew Kachuk-esque player where he's got a lot of skill, but, man, is he a mean, gritty player. And it's kind of like, if you remember the NFL draft a couple years ago, Mike, um, everyone's like, got to find the next Debo Samuel. It's the same thing. Everyone's got to find the next Matthew Kachuk. Everybody's going to be looking for that, and that's where Ryan Leonard is really going to benefit because he's going to get his draft stock you know, shot up pretty good from that. Okay, well, how about this, Chase? Once you have uh, your draft rankings completely solidified, I don't know if you're doing any more tinkering, let's get out that get that out there on the socials, whether it be actually on Bolts Broadcast or your own account tweets it and the old Bolts Broadcast retweets it. Let's make sure that the people listening, all the lovely fans, are able to see the Chase Crawshaw's draft rankings. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, plan, I plan on posting them um, either tonight or tomorrow morning probably tomorrow morning day of the draft and i'm pretty much all set i've got a top 64 i'll probably just release my top 32 um but maybe i'll think about my my other 32 as well we'll kind of see what happens but they'll definitely be out tomorrow you'll see at least my top 32 perfect that sounds good while we talked a lot about the players where potentially these guys could be sitting let's not talk about the teams during draft night obviously oftentimes we see some movement when it comes to drafts whether it be the nhl the nfl or any other teams obviously the nba they do so much and it's kind of whack because a team will draft a player and then trade them immediately but when you look at the nhl draft how many moves could we potentially see tomorrow night are we gonna see a chaotic draft night well it's definitely possible based on the the kind of rumblings uh, based on um what you know what the guys like Elliot Friedman have said it, just kind of saying that you know th- there's all these big potential moves that you, you just kind of wait for the day of the draft you know you're you're in person uh, might have a little more opportunity to talk it's a little more pressure as you know draft picks start falling off the board if you want to make a pick this year you got to move that guy pretty quickly so there's a real chance we see some chaos and you know it, it's very fun for the fans so I hope we do um it's a different style of trading than the NFL draft for sure there's a lot more, um, you know, I'm going to trade my, my second and fourth round pick to move up, you know, six spots like in, in the NFL draft just to make sure they get a guy because you're getting immediate impact players. Those type of things still do happen in the NHL, but it's more of a team trading back than a team trading up. It's, it's kind of the same argument I made where it's like Chicago's getting Taylor Hall instead of Boston dumping him. I think it's the same like type of thing where teams would rather just build up so, some extra capital. They're not in a spot where they're going to go out and get guys and help them right away. They really need to bolster the prospect pool, so they'll trade back, get a couple extra picks. So all said and done, if you gave me an over-under of five and a half, I'm taking the over. Six and a half, I'm still probably taking the over, honestly. When it gets to seven and a half, that's where things change. I, I, I think we could – I think we'll probably see six to seven all said and done. Um, that, that could be little things as simple as trading draft picks. That could be bigger things um, in, involving players. It, it's kind of a wait and see. And I think one of the most interesting teams is going to be the Boston Bruins. Jay Fresh tweeted out that the Boston Bruins are going to do some league-altering trade, and then it seemed like it might have been bait a little bit on the timeline. Then we see Taylor Hall get moved, 
But then Dan Rosen, he tweets out, retweeted by Elliot Friedman, that the Bruins are operating under the assumption that Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci will not be back. But they're still hopeful, and they will be in communication with those players. Um, If that's the case, where they are assuming Bergeron and Krejci aren't coming back, you just trade Taylor Hall. I mean, there could be some potential big trades coming out of Boston. Whether it be they try to just blow it up, they go trade Pasternak for Connor Bedard or something. I don't know. That's not happening. That's, that's not going to be happening. <laughs> but there is potential where we could see some big moves out of Boston. And I think that's the team to watch. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't think they're going to blow it up, but they're going to have to find a way to fill those holes. And it'll probably be through moving cap like they did with uh, Felino and Taylor Hall because you're going to have to overpay for a guy or two to try to fill those holes. And they're doing the right thing by, by assuming they're not going to be back. If you don't have a player signed, you have to assume they're not going to be back because as of right now, he's not a player that's, that's signed for you for the next season. So you can't operate, oh, we're going to get this player, and then day one of free agency hits and he signs elsewhere, and then and then you're screwed. So that's definitely the way they need to operate. I still think they're going to probably get, if they're still playing um, at least, probably get Bergeron back. I, I don't really picture him in another jersey, especially coming off of a 65-1 season. Shows are still competitive. Um, Krejci, we'll see. He already went back overseas once. Maybe he's going to do that again. I don't know. But they're definitely clearing caps so they can you know, maybe try to re-sign a couple of the guys to trade afford, maybe keep a guy like Bertuzzi. Um, it, it's really just, just a wait and see, though. It's going to be an exciting draft night. We know who's going number one, but everything from that point forward is still up in the air. Adam Fantilli, likely the number two. I would say that's probably the next closest to a guarantee when it comes to this draft. But after that number one spot, I don't think anything's guaranteed. Trades, a lot of picks. It's going to be a fun night. I can't wait. It it wouldn't shock me that much if if Fantilli doesn't go too, to be honest. like It would be surprising, sure, but it wouldn't be like when Wright fell to four last year. It really wouldn't because if he doesn't go too, that's going to be Mishkov going too. And it was a good point. I'm 32 thoughts last night that when I listened to it. Um, you know, Elliot Friedman is kind of the, 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 you know, figurehead of that show. Um, you know, they, they were mentioning, mentioning scenarios where Pat LaFontaine, um, you know, he's over there calling the shots in Anaheim. He came from Detroit and worked under Steve Eisman where if anybody's paid attention with, you know, within the Detroit Red Wings, within the Tampa Bay Lightning, Steve Eisman and his staff, they kind of don't care about consensus at all. They just go out and get their guy. And, you know, it shows drafting Brain Point in the third round, for example. Yeah, it was a third round pick, but people thought Brain Point was just a horrible skater, was not going to translate to the NHL. People didn't have him on the draft board at all. And then you go look at Detroit. His first draft, he takes more insider sixth overall. Everyone thought he's going to be mid to late first round pick at best. And he's turning into one of the league's best young defensemen. They don't give a shit. And Pat LaFontaine, I think he probably learned a lot there, and he doesn't give a shit either. Whoever he thinks is the best player and going to be the best player, he's going to take. So I really wouldn't be that surprised if Mishkov goes number two. And, oh, boy, would I love to see old Matty Mishkov get drafted that high. But that's going to do it for the show. Let's move on to hockey name of the day. We got a nice one today. We got old Alexander Falkenhagen. Yes, sir. So, so Mr. Alexander Falkenhagen, he is a – 20-year-old goalie, 2002 birth year, 6'4", 209 pounds, uh, a Canadian kid. Spent last year playing in the USPHL premiere for the Minnesota Mullets. He was a goalie captain. That's always a bit rare, but recently just committed to 
NCAA Division III, uh, Finchburg State. Uh, they're, they're a decent NCAA D3 program, um, but anytime a guy can move on from Tier 3 Junior to NCAA D3, it's absolutely an accomplishment. So you know, about, best of luck, Mr. Falkenberg, going forward. You got a great last name. Um, you know, if, if you had success at that NCAA level, who knows? Maybe we see him turning pro, playing in the East Coast League. Maybe if you're um, an ECHL fan and you're an Orlando Solar Base fan, maybe he passes through the building someday. What a fantastic hockey name of the day, because not only is it a fantastic name, but it brings back the thought of we need the goalie captain back. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure Roberto Luongo was the last one to do it before they banned it in the yeah. NHL. Mm-hmm. And like it, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, I would never pick my goalie as my captain because goalies are absolutely psychotic. Any goalie I worked with has never looked at me. I never looked at him like you're the true leader of this team. If there really is someone that way, then I, I can understand it, I guess, but I haven't come across it. And sometimes players that become captains, like it gets a little too much to their head and they think that you have to do this or that differently. And goalies, you cannot be that way. You cannot act differently. You just have to be yourself and, and just keep playing the game the way you do. So maybe that C kind of throws your game off. So that I would never make my goalie my captain anyway, so it doesn't impact me too much. But it's always a little fun to see whenever you can see the C on a goalie's jersey. I want it back and not strictly just the C. I want the goalies to also be able to get an A because – Imagine Marc-Andre Fleury way back when, when he was with the Penguins. That's a great A right there. I think Carey Price easily could have held a letter in his prime with the Montreal Canadiens. Let's give goalies letters. Whatever. I'm not, I, I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. All right. Thank you. All right. That's going to do with the show. I want to thank you so much for coming out and giving it a listen. Chase, if you would, hit him with an outro. As always, I want to thank you guys for listening. Follow us on Twitter, Apple's Broadcast, the Apple's Broadcast. You follow the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. That's at HockeyPodNet. Wally Radical, follow WNP on Twitter at WNP Sports Pod. It's WNP Sports Pod. Make sure you go to HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You can find all the pods in the network right there. We will click the logo. Listen, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Wherever you listening, raise five stars. Send your questions, comments, concerns. We'd appreciate it. Wherever you do, to our 50s, go to THPN. We sign up for DraftKings. Thanks so much for stopping by. We'll talk to you next time.